0: and here we go um it was truly a masterpiece i don't know about all that Ugh, absolutely the worst movie ever hands down bar none the greatest action spectacular Yep.
1: well uh the other one just stick them up are you asking me i promise i'm not gonna sing this time around
0: Welcome to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. I'm Justin Cavender. With me as always, Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film absolutely amazing or just pure rubbish. All that we ask of each other is don't be crazy.
1: Don't be crazy, Zach. Welcome to the town's day. Yeah, With it's the, a good day. The town day. <laughs> I gotta do the apostrophe though on that one. <laughs> it's a hard one. It is a hard one. But uh, you know what? Is, uh, what you know what's not hard, Justin? What's that? Seeing your face—it's so easy. It just makes me smile. Yeah, <laughs> you're like the McDonald's of faces. Ooh, I like that. It's better than being the Devon of faces. <laughs> Extra greasy with special sauce all over the place. <laughs> oh yeah, nice greasy pork sandwich.
0: <laughs> but um,
1: but yeah, it's 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 good to see you. It's good to talk with you. Hope everything's going well in your world. I know everything is going pretty PG-keen over here. We had a really crazy windstorm today and rainstorm, and I guess there's a bunch of snow on the way. Uh, maybe not in the city per se, but in the mountains for sure. So that'll be good for snowboarding season. I'm excited for that. But oh yeah, you got your super pass. Yeah, my epic pass. It's cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's good for my knees. That's why I go up the stairs eight times a day, not seven. Yeah. <laughs> Shit, my knees started hurting today. I was like, oh, I only went up like four times. <laughs> 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 it's
0: wearing, wearing me down. <laughs> Sorry to hear that. (laughs) Oh, I got to take a salt tablet or something.
1: I should give you some of my knee juice. I don't know what that means, but some knee juice or something.
0: Too many steps. Too many steps. (laughs) Which is a shame, too, because I want to go to Philadelphia and run up the steps. I'm going to have to do that before I'm too old.
1: Soon you're going to be like Rocky and Creed, where he's like struggling to get there. (laughs) Dude,
0: I am going to go see Rocky Four this week. I'm so excited. On Thursday and i'm pretty pumped the fathom events one night only rocky four sly cut
1: Uh,
0: it's gonna be pretty good it's like two hours and 45 minutes
1: (laughs) (laughs) you're gonna wear your bowler hat and carry around a little ball and bounce it everywhere no no you know it's (laughs) interesting that it is as long as it
0: is because the theatrical release was only like 90 minutes it's short and it's like there's like three montages in like the first like 40 (laughs) minutes it even leaves cuts from one montage and goes into another Maybe, crazy. There's a,
1: maybe there's a montage of him throwing in the towel. That's like 17 different angles of the towel going oh,
0: Yeah, Yeah. I'll take it. That bloody <laughs> towel with all the, all the blood.
1: All the spit in Taking the blood. The <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Fun, man. I dig it. Yeah.
0: Can't wait. I am pumped. Uh, what have you been watching?
1: Not much. I watched uh, a very Brady sequel, which actually wasn't as bad as I remember. I kind of enjoyed it. I watched Beverly Hills Cop again. Love that movie. It's so funny. And uh man, Eddie Murphy, he is just one of the funniest people I think I've ever seen on TV. I, I cannot believe how how good his improv is and just how quick and sharp he is. He's he's so funny. Uh I, I started watching or I, I continued watching It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And then I also put on Dirty Work the other day, the Norm McDonald film, and that movie is hilarious. I forgot how funny that movie is. So it's pretty good. Yeah. That's all I was into. What'd you get into? I was
0: uh, <clears throat> it's funny that you watched Burley Hill's cop because yeah, last night I just like started flexing in the bedroom, like I was doing like uh like the Nutty Professor when when Eddie Murphy has like the tight body, he's wearing yeah. his spandex, and he's just flexing in front of the mirror, and he's like doing his face all hard, and then he, like kind of like hurts his head doing it. He <laughs> gets like a headache. He's like, oh shit! So I was trying to explain it to Alex, and I was acting it out. And I'm like, it's really funny. <laughs> I just kind of ended and walked <laughs> out of the room. I'm like, don't <laughs> worry about it. It's really funny. <laughs> uh, but I've been watching Game of Thrones, still plowing through that. I finished season five, which is one of my least favorite seasons. And uh, now I am beginning season six. So just chugging right along. Went. I think it's only been like a week and a half. Uh, so there's that. Damn. Yeah, I uh, started Project Runway. I think of four episodes into season 19. Very excited about that. Uh, looking forward to how that plays out. I already have my favorite, and I <laughs> hope he wins, but we'll see. And then uh, watching The Office. It's been a couple weeks, so I got to restart that.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, I started watching the Superfan episodes on Peacock Plus, and um, not too bad. They... Um, I, I enjoy them. I, a lot of the scenes I, I don't really—it doesn't really do anything for me. But I'm like, oh, okay, well, whatever. They're all like forty-minute episodes now. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's a
0: lot. All right then. Well, are you ready to talk about this week's movie? Hell yeah, man! All right. So we're going to be doing The Town, which came out in 2010 and is available now on HBO Max. It's directed by Ben Affleck, who you might know uh, from Argo or Gone Baby Gone which is an extremely depressing movie if you haven't seen it. It's okay to skip that one, (laughs) I'm not going (laughs) to lie. (laughs) Uh, It was written by Peter Craig, Ben Affleck, Aaron Stockard, and Chuck Hogan. Not Hulk Hogan, Chuck Hogan, who did the novelty. Uh, The cast includes Ben Affleck, Jeremy Renner, Rebecca Hall, John Hamm, Blake Lively, Pete Possilwaite, George Carroll, Owen Burke, and Titus Welliver. I like Titus Waller. He just shows up in just random stuff.
1: He really does. (laughs) Yeah. He's in a lot of just random shit.
0: He is. It's funny. I'm like, hey, that's the guy from Lost. Uh, Critical reception goes. Let's see here. I don't have it in front of me. As per the use, it is a 92% on the old tomato meter there, which is fantastic. And let's see. Mike Massey from Gone with the Twins. Not a fan. He says, even with its flashy, edgy, rambunctious, nerve-wracking finale, the successes or failures of the rather distasteful anti-heroes proves utterly inconsequential and uninspiring. Wow. Wow. Right. Jay Zickman from NME says, a film about Boston and crime. We know. Unthinkable, isn't it? It's one of them. MTV Girls.
1: (laughs) You owe me $200. (laughs) (laughs) How
0: dare you swear to me in my kitchen? You owe me
1: $200.
0: My goodness. Candace Frederick from Real Talk Online says the town is a definite must see. I agree. Apparently, it's not for everyone, though. Uh, David Stratton from At The Movies in Australia, as Peggy Hill would say. (laughs) <laughs> in lesser hands, the central relationship might not have worked, but Affleck and Hall make it completely believable, adding to the texture of this classy thriller. All right. So I'll we'll leave it at that. Budget was $37 million. grossed $92 million in the United States and Canada. Opening weekend, it did $23.8 million. That was on September 19th, 2010. And then worldwide, you're looking at $154 million. Quite the smashing success.
1: Wow. Wow. Smashing, they say. Yeah. Jeremy Renner surrounded himself with actual convicted bank robbers in Charlestown for research and to help him nail the accent, which he did a really good job. Jeremy Renner, man. He's one of a kind. Ben Affleck originally wanted Mark Wahlberg for the role of James Coughlin, but he was busy shooting The Fighter, so the role went to Jeremy Renner, who ended up receiving an Oscar nomination for Best Actor in a Supporting Role. And, I mean, that was a good move by Wahlberg, because The Fighter was awesome. Very good. Very good also,
0: movie. Also in Boston.
1: Mm-hmm. Head, body, head. To yeah. research to Lowell, research her, right? Is that
0: the name of the town? Yeah,
1: yeah, Lowell, Massachusetts. Uh, to research her role, Ben Affleck asked Blake Lively to visit locals in Charleston. Um Lively spent a month hanging around with the locals, their apartments and bars before filming began. The film convinced Zack Snyder that Ben Affleck would make a good Batman as Affleck portrayed a character who was physically imposing and led a double life. And he was pretty uh pretty ripped in this film. Dude, he's incredibly big. He yeah. just menacing is
0: that's the word that i always use to describe him as batman Mm -hmm. he just is a terrifying batman
1: yeah he's a he's a big dude he's a terminator Mm
0: -hmm. yeah that's my sago man he's a big dude we were uh alex was like i always forget how big he is i'm like yeah it really helps when he's like next to like an average height human
1: like someone that's like five eight or five nine like matt damon he just just towers (laughs) over them (laughs) yeah yeah. he's a he's a a big boy he put on some size too so yeah, yeah totally the studio heads initially wanted the novel's ending in which Doug uh, is mortally wounded during the shootout with Fergie and dies in Claire's arms in her apartment. The ending was filmed, but test audiences approved the theatrical version in which Doug survives. And that will be important later. We'll talk about that. All right. Here's a synopsis for anyone who has not seen it. Four lifelong friends from the neighborhood of Charlestown, Boston. Douglas Doug McRae, James Jem Coughlin, Albert Glonzy McGlone, and Desmond Des Eldon Robabank. Assistant manager Claire Kesey, a hostage who is released unharmed. What? That's it? (laughs) That was kind of a weird (laughs) sentence. Uh, Finding out Claire lives in in their neighborhood, (laughs) Doug follows her to find out how much she has told the police and to ensure that hot-headed Jem does not eliminate her as a witness. Soon, a romance grows between them, which Doug hides from the gang. As they grow closer, he tells Claire of his search for his long lost mother, who he believes went to live with his aunt in Tangerine, Florida. He also, or he also almost became a professional hockey player, which he threw away to follow in his father's footsteps. She tells Doug she saw a
0: guy that tried to stab another player with the skate, you know, (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, She tells Doug uh, she saw a tattoo on one of the robbers And he realizes that she can identify Jem Sending them all to prison Jem will kill her if, if he knows So to dissuade her Doug tells her if she tells the police They will then put her in witness protection And send her to live in another state His plan works and she doesn't talk FBI agent Adam Frawley Recognizes their ties to local Irish mobster Fergus Fergie Colm Whose front is a florist during a visit to his father Stephen in prison, Doug shares his plan to leave Boston to Florida. Their next robbery in the North End goes awry, and they barely escape. Interrogated by Frawley, the, he fails to get confessions and must release them. Doug asks Claire to go away with him, and she accepts. When Frawley learns quit, Claire quit her job, he taps her phone, shows his file to Doug, shows his file on Doug to her, and threatens to prosecute her as an accomplice after realizing they are together. Shocked to discover Doug was one of her assailants, she cooperates with the FBI and breaks up with him. He tries to back out of the next heist at Fenway Park. Angered, Jem beats him, saying he's in too deep to walk away. Putting this whole town in my rear view. Then Fergie threatens to kill Claire if Doug does not do the job, telling him he controlled his father by making his mother an addict, which led to her suicide. Oof. Doug reluctantly agrees, but swears that he will kill Fergie if anything happens to Claire. At Fenway, Doug and Jem enter, disguised as Boston police officers, steal $3.5 million in in gate cash? Let's just say in cash. And prepare to escape in an ambulance, dressed as paramedics. The FBI, having received information from Doug's ex and Jem's sister, Krista, who Frawley had threatened, surrounds the perimeter. Caught in a firefight with FBI SWAT operators, Dez and Glonzy are both shot. Frawley spots Jem, and they exchange gunfighter, uh, in which Jem is wounded in his, in the leg. Determined to not go back to prison and without bullets, Jem commits suicide by cop by running out with guns in hand. Knowing that Claire is in danger and that he will never escape as, the long, as long as Fergie is alive, Doug murders him and his bodyguard and calls Claire. Watching from across the street via binoculars, he sees the FBI are with her as she tells him to come over. At first, he thinks she means to betray him, but she gives a clue verbally to warn him away. Doug flees, donning an MBTA uniform and escaping on a train. Frawley deduces that Claire tipped him off, but her tip is too cryptic to provide grounds for an arrest. Later, while gardening, Claire finds a buried bag containing money, a tangerine, and a note from Doug, suggesting that she can make better use of the money than he can, and that they might see each other again. Claire donates the money in memory of Doug's mother to refurbish the local ice hockey arena where Doug once played. From the deck of a small house, Doug looks out over the water, forlorn but seemingly safe in Florida. And that's the town, but um, good movie, good, good, good action flick. Totally dig it. But when did you first see the town, Justin? What were your thoughts, and how do you feel now? Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I saw this movie uh, shortly after it came out.
0: Uh, I got it on the Red Box back when that was a thing, and uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I had a good. It was a good movie. You should go see it.
1: I saw it in theaters, and I really, really enjoyed it. I saw it with my ex-girlfriend's best friend's boyfriend, now husband. Uh, that was a weird way to say that. But anyhow, we were, we were buddies, and we were just super excited. We thought it was such a cool concept for it. I uh, thought it would be a really awesome action flick, and it was. It was good, it, but it wasn't just a bang, bang, shoot em up action flick. It was a, a different type of film. I'd say it was more dramatic, actually, than it was action, but really interesting to see ben affleck in this in this kind of light especially you know when when you see him in in phantoms and those other films uh it, it's i always think of him as the goodwill hunting guy and affleck then he was
0: the bomb, in phantoms, bomb yo. in phantoms
1: yo and then uh then you see a movie like this and you're like oh okay he's pretty damn good so i i really enjoyed um you know his, his role as that but it was um it was interesting, so yeah, I, I really like the town and I'm glad that we are doing it, but we'll just jump right into it then. Um, so Ben Affleck, like I just said, he's a famous boston Although he wasn't from Charlestown, this film has an undeniable weight and presence that encapsulates what it probably feels like to be in Boston. I've never been to Boston, so I don't really know. Um, but this can be a really tough thing to do in films and it's done exceptionally well in this where you can basically paint a picture both verbally and as a, a film of the seediness of somewhere of the the rough neighborhoods and feel like you're actually in that neighborhood. Could you make a film, Justin, based on the town you grew up in? What would a story about your hometown life be like? And is there a movie that has already been made that closely resembles it? Yeesh.
0: Um, yeah, you know, I think it, yeah, I think you're right. So this movie does do a really, I mean, as someone that's never been to Boston and watched the show cheers and that's about it, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I know Jack shit about Boston. Uh, but, uh, when we were watching the chase scene where they're wearing the nun masks and stuff and they just keep going down all these alleys <gasps> and I'm like, how do you even know where to go? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I don't understand. There's like all these signs that say, you know, don't enter and don't go here, but what if somebody goes there like you're totally (laughs) gonna get run over like who could live in this town it was driving me nuts like it's just one of those things where the entire chase scene i'm just having a real problem with the with the construction of the roadways and the major thoroughfares (laughs) it was a real problem for me i'm like i would never want to go to boston because of how this movie depicted uh the town and so and i don't even under i'm I'm assuming that Charlestown is sort of done in the same way that uh, like when we talk about Seattle and all the different little communities within Seattle, that's just kinda of how I imagine Boston is. Yeah you know, where there's just like Queen Anne, Lower Queen Anne, fucking uh California, Finney Ridge, yeah, yeah. yeah. All South that Seattle Ballard, yeah, all that stuff. So I'm just kind of picturing it that way, and the same with like West Seattle, where you got to cross a fucking bridge unless it's closed, like it always is, and then you got to go all the way around. It's pain in the ass. So like, there's just one big pile of inconvenience (laughs) basically, (laughs) and so that's kind of how I equated it, you know. But um, the whole time I'm watching, I'm just like, man, fuck this town, man. And maybe that's why it's called the town because you're just like, fuck this town. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so where I grew up. Uh, you know, I grew up in 29 Palms. I spent the bulk of my, my childhood in 29 Palms. Uh, and from the time I was a whipper to the time I was a full grown man. <laughs> and uh, it's just a, an interesting place. It's grown a lot. But when I moved there, I believe there were two traffic lights. And that was about it. And a couple tumbleweeds that would go across the road every now and again. So <laughs> I would actually make the movie like a Western. Have a Western vibe. Not necessarily like horses and and cowboys and such, but have a Western tone to it, if that makes sense. And I would set it around high school because in that town, high school is like life, unless you're like a Marine. Cause it's a big Marine Corps town. Hmm. Uh, Cause it's like the largest military base in the United States, but the town itself is small. And it's just, it's one of those places where everyone kind of knows everybody. It's a real small school and everyone's in each other's business. And, and, if I don't you, if I don't know you, the person next to me knows who you are, kind of thing, uh, and everyone knows each other's like parents and where they live, uh, so you can always find somebody. So I would have it set in high school and have a western vibe, sort of a lawlessness and uh, a lot of fights and and things like that. I would just make it fun,
1: kind of like a dazed and confused or like a. I don't know, something like that. I mean, that's Dazed and Confused isn't necessarily, it's Austin, but you know, something like that, a coming of age story. Is that what yeah, you're thinking? Yeah,
0: exactly. It, it would be a coming of age, but not necessarily like, hey, do you want to go find a dead body kind of thing? It <laughs> it, um, it would be more of dealing with the politics of high school. Uh, like, uh, have you ever seen the movie Election, by chance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, kind of like that, where there's a couple of, and maybe even Mean Girls, but still with like a little Western vibe where it was just kind of dirty, you know, dirty town. Uh, but there's actually a movie called 29 Palms. And I, I knew that this was a thing, but I had no idea what it was about. <laughs> and so I, I Googled it and I was shocked at what I read. And I, and I have a brief synopsis, if it's okay, if I can read <laughs> sure, this. Sure, yeah, please. It says, okay, so this is just from taken from the Wikipedia. This film was a 2003 film directed by Bruno Dumont. And it says, with a Russian woman called Katya... A young American photographer called David drives a Hummer from Los Angeles to a motel in the little desert town of 29 Palms. As she hardly speaks English and he speaks no Russian, they talk in French, a language in which neither is confident. Much of their communication is therefore nonverbal, and the two frequently misunderstand each other. Their days are spent driving and walking around the empty desert, sometimes naked. They make love, they fight, or just pass time. The camera contrasts the vastness, timelessness and emptiness of the landscape with the two small humans. Yet as we yet as well as natural beauty the desert contains menace. I don't know who wrote this. <laughs> Stop <laughs> by uh, stopped by a pickup full of rednecks. David is beaten and raped while Katya is stripped and forced to watch. Back at the motel after their ordeal, David cuts off his hair before stabbing Katya to death the police find the Hummer in the desert with his corpse beside it. That is it. Jesus. (laughs) I don't get it. Two thumbs way, way up. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. That that caught me off guard. But what's funny is as I'm reading this, and true story, as I'm reading this, man, this reminds me of this movie called Zabriskie Point. And so then I go on to IMDB, and I I just kind of read the comment section of 29 Palms, the film. And someone mentions the risky point. I'm just like, holy <laughs> shit, dude, that's amazing. And it was, that movie was directed by Michelangelo Antonio, uh, or no, uh, Michelangelo Antonioni was his name. And, uh, Antonioni. <laughs> but what's funny is in that movie, same thing. It starts off, it kind of is like a Simpsons episode where the beginning has nothing to do with how the rest of the show ends up kind of thing. And, um, it ends up in the middle of the desert and there's like this huge orgy and then there's this huge house and then the house explodes and then the final end like five minutes it's just everything in the house exploding like the refrigerator is falling from the sky then it explodes and then the microwave falls from the sky then it explodes and you're just watching nothing but explosions out (laughs) in the middle of the desert it's so fucking weird and so yeah as i'm just reading this synopsis i'm just like man this is like zabriskie point part two (laughs) and uh it's so funny that someone else thought of that and and there's like five human beings that have even seen that movie and they probably had to watch it in film school so because some teacher thought that it was like amazing but spoiler alert it's not <laughs> <laughs> save the trouble on that one <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it just that made me laugh oh but I anyway that's all i have to say about that
1: maybe we should get 29 palms on the laser disc there <laughs> so we can watch it i
0: know i kind of <laughs> It, but i feel like it would just be a waste of my time <laughs> yeah
1: oh so. man i i don't think i can make one about mount vernon i mean it would be about farming or something like that or just same kind of thing as you coming of age story okay that's that's a pretty good default for any for any you know rural town like yeah and in.
0: then you can so. just use like fun pranks that you did as a kid
1: yeah mix it up like, a bit like flaming bag of poop and running yeah. away
0: <laughs> like that time i found all those porno magazines and then i out in the desert, and then we put them in people's, like, cars. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like, this guy's gonna get in trouble.
1: <laughs> there you go. or oh, he might get lucky. <laughs> so, yeah, you never know. Yeah. Well, you know, Jem and Doug, they have a, a unique, strong bond in this film. Uh, they grew up, and they have been through some of the craziest shit together. I mean, Jem went to prison for for Doug, because he's he's his brother, basically. He's you're my brother. That was a horrible Boston accent. I'm sorry. And in my opinion, I think friendship and loyalty is a very, very big thing, and it's practically everything. It's it's important to me. Um, I'm very loyal to my friends, and I care about their well-being, and I hope they care about mine. Justin, I kind of already know this answer, but do you have friends like Jem or Doug, ones that you share this incredible bond with that you're willing to help uh, for literally anything? Um, but has it ever gotten you in trouble at all? Uh,
0: so I would consider there relationship to be pretty toxic and i had a toxic relationship before uh you know we we grew up together me and my buddy gene we did everything together and we did get in a lot of trouble together But I i'm mean, just kid trouble you know just mixing things up but um there were a couple times where where we Felt like our lives were in danger <laughs> in Mexico, and uh, it was uh, it was a journey. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, but because we were together, I wasn't. I was scared, but I wasn't. I was more nervous than scared. I was like, "Yeah, hey, we're gonna get out. We can do anything together." And we used to say that, like, "We can we can survive anything." And then we had a horrible falling out uh, about ten years ago, and uh, I hadn't spoken to the man in over a decade until just about four weeks ago four or five weeks ago when his father passed away I had to reach out to him just to let him know I was you know sad about what he was going through um, but we <laughs> left it at that but um, he was somebody that our relationship I mean we didn't rob banks or anything but we would fight and we would argue but you know if if one of us needed something we wouldn't question it we would just do it you know um, you know now I have, Nothing but healthy relationships, and any one of my friends that needs something from me, I'm happy to do it for them. Uh, but when it comes to a, a a gem and Doug relationship, that is very much how Gene and I were at times, especially in our adult years. When we were kids, we just played, but as we got in the, uh, into college and onward, uh, we just never saw eye to eye on anything. It was just always. Yeah fighting and bickering. We still did a ton of stuff together. We still hung out like three times a week. We were just always at each other's throats.
1: It's just really hard getting older because you're right. I mean, we do, we mature and our mindsets are different and we see a whole a whole new world sort of thing. And I have friends that are like that too that my hometown was a little more conservative than I than I liked and I'm, you know, that's I'm glad I grew up there but I don't really need to go back. So there were a bunch of friends that I had that I don't really see eye to eye with anymore. And it's weird though. I mean, I still care for them. They're still my friends and I want to be there for them. But there's just been some moments where I've had to cut ties with with certain ones because maybe it was a religious thing that I never knew they had. And they it really caught on later in life and they kind of judge me for me not being religious or or maybe it was because I posted a thing about being liberal or something, or maybe, you know, they think because I have glasses, <laughs> I'm a hipster. Literally, I've had, I had a friend who was like, oh, you and your hipster, hipster beliefs. And I'm like, because I have glasses. And like, oh, yeah, <laughs> and like how you dress. And I'm like, oh, OK, <laughs> so it's just, um, you know, it's that kind of stuff. I, I think in terms of loyalty, like, yeah, obviously you and then my friend Matt and like every, anyone else, I'll be there at the drop of a hat for if they need it. Like if you were like, I need you to bring me some stuff from Seattle or like if you ever needed me for something, I would get a, get on a plane right now and I'd head mm-hmm. down there. If I needed um, fancy sauce. Yeah. If you, <laughs> it's, my, it's my, my fancy sauce. <laughs> um, if you this ever right. came into the room and I was, I was just, you know, doing Coke and play Xbox like gem was. Oh, and you're like, I need party. you to do something with me, but you can never ask me. And, uh, we're going to hurt some people. And I'd say, all right, go do it yourself. Sort of thing. So <laughs> I'd help you, but, I think it's, it's, it's important and it, it is a foundation for this. Cause I mean, these guys are all so loyal and you think about um, they tell that little story when they're in that, that bar about how um, I, I'm trying to think of, of how it went, but basically, you know, the dad, Steven or whatever his name was, he could have gotten off on, on good time, but he told uh, the cops to go fuck themselves basically. Like he, he wasn't going to rat out his friends. I mean, none of those people would rat out their friends. They'd rather go to prison in, in, uh, instead of uh, turning on them or betraying them. And, and so the cop uh, what was his name, Dino or whatever. He's he's a rat to, to Ben Affleck, to Doug and them, because it's like, dude, we let you in. You were one of us. And then you took all of our secrets and you went around and you became the fuzz and you put these people behind bars. And I think loyalty is a huge thing in, in Boston. And I don't know if that's accurate, but I mean, in this uh, totally any mob film you and I watch loyalty is huge, right? Right. Like, look at The Godfather Part Two. You broke my heart. So. <laughs> yeah oh don't that's name names was <laughs> a hard fucking scene to watch
0: right i mean even when when um when uh the big guy uh glonesy or whatever when he's like uh he's like i could take a pinch you know like he's about to go they're like dude there's the whole goddamn boston pd's out there yeah he's like that's okay i can take a pinch
1: yeah he's like don't worry i'll only give him your first names
0: yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Very interesting. I mean, like and Jem said it too, he's like, you know, I, I'm not going back to prison. I'd rather die. And so it's pretty intense stuff, but I think it does say a lot, you know, cause I, I think d- deep down inside gems knew that Doug was a good one. Um, I, I think he was just scared of losing him. Like he knew he wanted to leave, but he's like, no dude, you're here. Same rules as I did. So, right. Yeah. It's intense. It is. It really is. But it's good to have, it's good to have a good support system in your life. I'm thankful for everybody that I have as my support systems. Right. But that's
0: just it. Like, Gem mm-hmm. wasn't a good support system.
1: Well, yeah, I mean <laughs> he's he's
0: he was bad, dude. Like he was the whole gang was always just like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? We're taking hostages now. Is somebody going to talk to this guy? Calm him down. Uh, you know, why is he such a loose cannon? It doesn't need to be this way. And he he was basically you know, every time you watch a heist movie, it's always they get away with it the first time. And then something goes wrong the second time. And then there's a big score that they got to do one, last, <laughs> one job last score to get to Tahiti. <laughs> and, then some it, money. <laughs> and then it fucking falls apart. It's every, every heist movie that's ever made. Is yeah. Like, uh, mm. and where, t- where the guys are genuinely bad guys. Not like a, not like a Robin Hood kind of heist movie where the good guy, where the bad guys are more or less good guys. But when the bad guys are bad guys, they just, they don't make it. They go down.
1: Like a sweet muffin.
0: Yep. Like, go he, down like a sweet muffin.
1: He even told him too. He's like, we got too much heat on us. We got to, we got to do a different one or, you know, not the guy with the, the combat boots and then he's a GI Joe. Yeah. He tucks a his fucking co- G.I. Joe. Pa- pants into his combat boots sort of yeah. thing. That's, it, that's another yeah. good point. And how many, how
0: many of those assholes have you met in the, in the jobs that you've had where, where people are just like, whether it's like some sort of uh, armored carry truck or maybe like a TPS at Target or, or a police officer, they are just, they've seen way too many fucking movies. And they're just <laughs> ready to go. Yeah. And they make the Lord very nervous. We <laughs> yeah. had this one TPS at Redmond where he was like straight up John Rambo. And he would like like crawl on his hands and knees and, and, and slink around in soft lines. And I'm just like, what is this guy doing? <laughs> he went on to go do armored truck stuff. I'm just like, oh man, this guy... He's going to get hurt. He's the kind of guy when there is a holdup, he's not going to listen and he's going to try and be a hero and he's going to cost somebody their life. Probably his own. I mean, I hate that. I hate it so much.
1: Yeah, I agree. That's pretty shitty. So a while back, you and I, we had a discussion on Twitter with some friends uh, I don't remember specifically Ken. <laughs> okay. I was like, I don't remember specifically who, but I bet you do. <laughs> and we talked about some oh, yeah. of the best <laughs> I burned that one.
0: I was like, what the fuck? You're oh, crazy. That's yeah. the work. That's he's the work. got some hot takes, man. Yeah, you should does. follow him. That's Stoltzkin. Yeah. He's uh, he's a he's a character.
1: So we talked about the best heist films. I don't remember all the details. I know you do. Um and I, I remember that this movie came up as a very subjective and divisive choice. What are your thoughts uh, on this? And is this a heist film? Additionally, what are some of the best heist films in your opinion? And finally, why does this movie feel like a different type of heist film? Wow. That's Sorry. a lot. Okay. Um, what are your thoughts? And
0: why is this a heist film? So this is a heist film because they're stealing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> they're, <laughs> and they're, in, I, they're heisting. <laughs> they're in hot pursuit for a bulk of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're stealing U.S. dollars and they are holding up people and they are they're getting in a, in a car and they're driving away from the scene of the crime. Um, and they it's a lot involved. Everyone has a role. You know, it's not just a smash and grab. It's there's surveillance that they got to do. There's there's uh, the ins and outs, the what have you's. And they all have a job, right? There's the wheel man. There's the tech guy. There's the crowd control guy uh there's just a lot of thing a lot of moving parts and they all come together um even fergie said that they're a unit right like they do everything together and that is what to me what makes a heist movie where there are uh one or more people (laughs) that have have put together a plan to steal some stuff and get away with
1: it the declaration of independence
0: (laughs) yes exactly um and so, and it could be, it could be, they could be stealing a person. They could be stealing a, a thing as some sort of noun. <laughs> <laughs> a person, place, or a thing they are stealing. Uh, like even, even despicable will me. He wants to steal the moon. <laughs> yeah, <that's right>. <laughs> <laughs> Cookie robots. So why are you so old? Uh, it's like one of my favorite lines ever. Why are you so old? Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's what I would say is a heist film. And this qualifies as such because they have uh, those different roles and they are stealing things.
1: What are some of the best heist films that you've seen? Uh, For
0: me, uh, in no particular order, I would say Heat is pretty goddamn high on that list. Uh, Fast Five, uh, Oceans 11 and 13, uh, Reservoir Dogs, uh, Hell or High Water, Point Break, the town and the thing about those last three uh what's different about those last three is that they're more about the relationships between the characters than the heist themselves so totally. like totally uh keat is about the job fast five is about the job oceans 11 and 13 those are about the job um but the thing about like hell or high water you know it's the two brothers right and point break it's it's i am an fbi agent you know special <laughs> agent johnny utah forming a relationship with the ex-presidents uh and and same with the town they they are just a hostile group of dudes <laughs> and and gem is just uh he's got a short fuse and he causes problems with the group dynamic and so what's one of the reasons why someone might feel that it's not a heist movie is because of the relationships uh are more the 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 focus of the story and the heists are more Uh, in the back seat of the story. And while that might be true, I don't think that that takes them away from being a heist film. In fact, I think it elevates it to another level.
1: Uh, Right, and I think that's kind of what I I was playing at with, you know, this is a different heist film because this one focuses more on the relationships. It's not just... Hey, you know, Rick and Morty, they, they make fun of it. They're like, you son of a bitch, I'm in. That's always like the thing. You you, you assemble your team and you go like to a racetrack and you find a driver. You go to a casino and it's like, oh, Zach, old timer or whatever. Remember that job right. we pulled off in Switzerland? <laughs> so, right. It's always that. It's very Ocean's Eleven. And there's nothing against. I love the Ocean's Eleven films. I think they're all so good. Um, I actually like all three of them, but. I know you're not really keen on 12, but yeah, I think, I think they're all so cool and there, there's a lot to be said about that. You know, Soderbergh does a really good heist film, but this is a different style of heist film. Um, and Catherine Bigelow did an amazing job with point break. I mean, that one's in, that one's in the history. In my history is like some one of the top ones ever. So I um, found a list on vulture and these are the top 25 and I'll just start with 25 going down. And I'll go quick, but uh baby driver, uh, the town is 24 which is pretty crazy. Uh, 23 is the, the original Italian job from 1963. 22 is Fast Five. 21 is Logan Lucky. That's another Soderbergh film. 20 is Ronin. 19. Uh, 19- yeah, I don't like that movie. I did not really like it either. It's just a lot of driving, which I like <laughs> yeah. typically, but I don't know. I just yeah. got kind of bored.
0: I'm going to need an Audi so I can drive really fast.
1: Exactly. It's going to
0: be amazing. Yeah.
1: So fast. Too Fast and Furious. 19 is Bottle Rocket. Uh, 18 is Sexy Beast. 17 is Inside Man. Sixteen is a fish called. I like Monty. Inside Man. So do I. I, I really like that it. I
0: forget that's a heist movie. That's another because that one they don't go anywhere. They they it's it's like a hostage movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it is a heist movie, but it's more about the what does these people want? How are we going to get them out of there? Kind of thing. It's it's a diff. It's a one scene kind of heist movie, you know, or a one locale heist movie. So that one is also can be lumped in with the how it plays differently.
1: Detective hei- First the Class. The, yeah. <laughs> yeah first grade yeah. or something like that first grade first grade yeah uh number 15 the bank job number 14 heat 13 dog that day seems afternoon low it does 14 right? i know right 12 the usual suspects 11 quick change i love that movie bill murray <laughs> yeah yeah i you know you mentioned dog day afternoon that's another one same thing mm-hmm. it's in one location for the bulk of the movie there. yeah just the bank uh, 10, Reservoir Dogs. I mean, that that's kind of like it too. And I would actually, I had this conversation with somebody who we were talking about film. Reservoir Dogs would be one of those movies that would be an excellent stage play. I think that would be so fun to watch because it really only takes place in, in, in one or two locations. Well, there, I mean, a couple more, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So it would be a, a fascinating uh, stage play to see. Right, Three, and heist, you don't got to show the heist either because it's already yeah, exactly to happen. Exactly, exactly. Uh, number nine is Three Kings. That Mark Wahlberg movie, in ice. Oh yeah, key. yeah, in like Saudi Arabia or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, that was not bad. Uh, eight is The Sting, uh, nineteen seventy three, and that is a good movie.
0: Who the fuck is Marvin Hamlish?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> you young Marvin Hamlish. <laughs> Number seven is Jackie Brown. Um, oh
0: yeah, that see,
1: it's that, a different I, I, style heist film.
0: Yeah, though. I guess it's a heist movie. That's a character
1: it's, piece though, too.
0: Yeah, that was so. That one is more of a. Of a uh, swish them and swish them back
1: <laughs> swish them like back
0: a, it's more of a con job than a heist job but yeah i'll, I'll take it sure yeah, Money, yeah. If things are stolen so we'll call it a heist
1: totally uh six is out of sight um yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. they're trying to steal all the diamonds there mm-hmm. five is inception which i really enjoyed a lot
0: yeah that's a different kind of heist movie too because that's more of a
1: Intellectual property (laughs) guys. Yeah,
0: yeah. Getting inside someone's head there.
1: Trying to incept them. Uh, Number four is Ocean's Eleven, the 2001 version. And I really enjoyed this movie a lot. I'm glad Uh that we did that one. And the three, these top three are interesting. Uh, Three is Rafifi from 1955. Never saw. Uh, Never saw. Number two is Bonnie and Clyde from 1967. Uh, That movie's boring as fuck. I don't care what anybody says. It really is. Faye Dunaway and and, uh, Warren Beatty. And then number one is The Killing from 1956. So there's uh, Stanley Kubrick. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I haven't seen The Killing, so I wouldn't know. And I love Kubrick, but uh, pretty solid list. And I, I just agree with uh, most of that, though, for the, you know, I can't really think of any other ones that we might have this point break should have been on there. In my opinion, I really enjoy it a lot. Yeah, so. it was awesome. So if uh, I'm going to follow up on this. If we, if you and I decided to go do these, pull these jobs in Charlestown, what role would you play in the heist? I know that I would probably be the wheelman driving through those <laughs> tiny, tiny streets, uh, but I would be the wheelman because I like driving and I think I'm pretty good at it. What would you be?
0: Well, if I can't be the wheelman because you're the wheelman, um, then I will critique you while
1: you're driving. <laughs> the backseat driver. <laughs> the secondary women, first grade. <laughs>
0: I could do that really well. I'm happy to be the backseat driver and be like, oh man, you piece of shit, you suck. Um, <laughs> but I can do crowd control. I, I think I would do really good at that. I could put people at ease. Don't worry, this is not your money we're stealing. This will all be over in a minute.
1: I could do that. <laughs> Would you be like the the planner, like someone like a a Doug character who could who could basically be the uh, unspoken leader, I should say?
0: I don't think so. That's too much work. I I would just be I would know what the plan is and I would be able to execute it. I take direction pretty well.
1: I would I was kind of thinking I could be a gem style character just the hothead or insert whatever hothead and, you know, in the film in there. I wouldn't be a Bodhi from Point Break. I would probably be the other guy who gets shot. <laughs> so just because at times I would probably do something stupid and be like, hey, what would you do to my friend here or something? So. Right. But it would be fun to be a wheelman. I don't know, like driver. Yeah. You are the wheelman. I would rather have that job, but I mean, yeah.
0: I, t- I could totally do the craft. <laughs> you can, books.
1: you can do it on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and, and Saturdays, <laughs> and I'll do it the rest, and then Sundays we can split it. All right? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the custody right
0: there. Easy peasy. Yeah.
1: I'll drive the stagecoach. There you go. Paint that wagon. So Ben Affleck, he's gotten some negative Ah, reviews, (laughs) negative reviews through his career. And for good, for good reason, he's done some, he's done some duds. Remember Paycheck and Pearl Harbor and, Um, uh, oh God, uh, Geely. Geely's like the worst movie ever made. Um, those movies. 200 Cigarettes was really interesting. Um, What else was he in? I don't, I mean, Armageddon. Jersey,
0: Jersey girl is kind of lame. I, I don't cry in Armageddon, Armageddon. I always cry in Armageddon. Yeah. And I hate
1: Bruce Willis. <laughs> I like Armageddon a lot. Um, it's good. Yeah. So he, he he's had some duds. He's had some ones that were uh, unspectacular, I'll just say. But he also has made some fantastic films too. He's had points in his career that have just been so amazing. And I think that there are some interesting criticisms of the town. I mean, there were a lot of people that were saying, a lot of just different critics and things that I've read that were saying, oh, it's formulaic, it's it's the same type of heist film plot, there's always the hothead, you know, there's always one last job like you were talking about. But it doesn't matter. I mean, me personally, I believe that this is Ben Affleck's best role and easily his best directed film. We, he's he's done Argo. He's done Gone Baby Gone. He's done this and then like a couple of their small ones. But I think this is clearly his best uh, directed film. And I think it's his best performance. What say you? Is this his best performance? And then aside from that, what about Jeremy Renner? Is this his best performance?
0: Uh, Yeah, this is. This is probably my favorite. I don't. I don't know how to do the best. I. I can't rank best, but this is like one of my favorite Ben Affleck movies. I think like all around, it's pretty badass. I like how. I like how he is kind of a good guy, even though he's a bad guy. <laughs> uh, I even like. Um, what was the one that we did where he's uh, the husband that's Gone Girl. Gone Girl. Okay, that's so a, I like that. He's one great too. in that movie. Yeah, yeah and I, and I really like him as Batman. I. I don't know. I'm I'm a fan of the of the Batfleck. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so, um, but I, I I feel like so here's the thing, uh, up until the town, uh, I I was indifferent on Ben Affleck. You know, I I liked him in like the Kevin Smith movies. You know, I really like him in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you're arguing about fictional characters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I he's fucking like, I he love goes, that. fictional. <laughs>
1: fictional yeah, he's like doing sign fictional. language. Oh, my God. It's so
0: funny. Oh, I love it. He's like, they're not talking about you. He's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Oh, my God. It cracks me up. But it was this movie that really made me like him a lot. And uh, he was in Boiler Room too. For, he's in like two scenes yeah. in Boiler Room. Two or yeah. three scenes in Boiler Room. He's really good in those two. And uh, once it was announced that he was going to be Batman uh, in the Snyderverse, uh, I actually wrote a list of like top 10 uh, Ben Affleck movies. Because then I, I was kind of, I was on board. I was like, you know what? He's fucking, he's huge. He's a badass. I, 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 I get it. You know, this is post town, by the way. And so um, I put together a list of, of all of my favorite films. And uh, I, I even had YouTube clips of the scenes that I liked the most. And for this movie, I did the one where he comes in, he's like, hey, I need your help. You know, we're going to, we're going to, you can never ask me about it, but we're going to hurt some people. Yeah. I just thought that was so good. Yeah. And uh, that's what won me over, you know. And even Argo, Ar- Argo is an awesome movie. I, I freaking love that movie. I, As someone that uh, was basically not born quite yet when that movie, took place and just to kind of hear about it and and know so little and and i i actually troubled myself not to know how it ended i was literally at the edge of my seat like when they're (laughs) on the plane like trying to escape i didn't know if they made it so i was just like ah i was like totally stressed um but fuck man i i love so much of the work that this man has done over the course of his career yeah he's got some flops uh but uh the good ones that he has are really 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 good yeah so i'm I mean, on board
1: you know so goodwill hunting is when him and uh matt damon really kind of hit it or hit it big right so he was in you were saying he's in mall rats before that um he was in dazed and confused he had a, a small part chasing amy and, and phantoms and stuff but yeah good Will Hunting chasing
0: amy that was like a starring role yeah yeah
1: and he he just had little small parts in in other films but Mm -hmm. um yeah it's 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 after that after goodwill hunting you know you have that you have phantoms you have armageddon you have shakespeare in love you have 200 cigarettes um some of those not necessarily the best but then they kind of go down a little bit too like forces of nature dogma boiler room i love Um, dogma you don't like dogma dogma is one of those ones i could go either way it's like oh my god it's pretty good it's i'm just like eh, it's I don't remember much about it. Whew, I think um, that movie is brilliant, man. I've, I've that's like my favorite Kevin Smith movie. Yeah, Reindeer Games. He's that's Bartleby. Cool. Yeah.
0: That's <laughs> yeah. Right. Anyway, I'm sorry. Continue. No, no, no.
1: You're fine. So he kind of he kind of goes down a little bit. Then he's he got into the whole um uh, not Tom Clancy thing, but you know the the sum of all fears. He I was, like that he was, movie too. That he was, was really jack Ryan. good. <laughs> I haven't seen that in a long time, so oh. I can't really speak to it. But oh uh, man, I
0: love that movie, dude! It's so much fun and. Fucking um, Cotton Weary's in it. He's like fucking James Bond in that movie. It's so oh. good. Oh my god, I, I love some that. of them. I haven't fears. seen that in a long
1: time, so I'll have to it, check it out.
0: It's streaming on something because I just watched it and I hadn't seen it in a long
1: time, and I still enjoyed it. I was like, man, this movie's fucking awesome. Yeah. And he's he's just in a lot of like um kind of made for TV, te- not made for TV movies, but movies that would be on TNT sort of thing in like a few mm-hmm. months. And then I just kind of flip through and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's this movie. And I don't really watch it. But then in 2010, you know, he's in the town. He does Argo two years later uh, to the Wonder. I don't know what that is. Runner Runner, Gone Girl. Uh, he's in Batman v Superman, Donna Justice, uh, The Accountant, which eh, whatever, you know. Oh, I like
0: that movie, too. Did you see that movie?
1: I actually didn't. But so that's oh, why I'm man. like, eh, maybe that's, maybe it's good
0: totally caught me off guard i had no idea what it was i got it on on the red box mm-hmm. and i was like what the fuck is this movie man <laughs> it totally like threw me for a loop <laughs> isn't like isn't he like a
1: hitman or something like that
0: yeah i didn't know that i knew nothing oh. about it i just thought he was like on, oh, let me crunch some numbers and do,
1: you, do your taxes <laughs> real <laughs> I early
0: li- i literally had no idea what it was about and i'm watching i'm like jesus christ <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it was a fun surprise As someone that knew oh, excuse me that knew jack about it i walked away really liking it i was like well oh, movie was cool
1: yeah and so since then you know he's, he's just really been on a roll and he's been doing some pretty good stuff um it's 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 hard to beat you know the town and argo and goodwill hunting and, and gone girl i mean those are some of his best roles so um it, it's just fascinating to see but i i really believe that the town is is where he shines because we 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 feel for him you get to see his acting chops and he seems like he's in his element. And I mean, think, I think a lot of it uh, came from the fact that, you know, he, he grew up in Boston, not necessarily Charlestown, but um, I think he was said he was from Cambridge or something like that. So it's just um, it's one of those interesting things that at least he he, he put a lot of authenticity into it. Every character, every, it was real authentic. Every side <laughs> character, even those two guys, those two guys were straight from Charlestown. And so, like, you had a lot of characters who were legit, like, you'd be like, whoa, whoa, whoa I don't want to fuck with this guy. You get the heebie-jeebies just looking at him sort of thing. So he did he did a fantastic job with that, in my opinion. Jeremy Renner was unbelievable. I don't I, I don't see anybody else playing Jem other than Jeremy Renner. I know I talked about that in the trivia that Mark Wahlberg was supposed to play him. Casey Affleck at one point was supposed to play him. I, did, I can't see anybody else playing him. Renner just does such a good job of giving you those eyes where he's like your friend one moment and then the next he's going to kill you and he's scary man he's a he's a he's a creepy dude so
0: yeah there's uh parts of the movie where i'm just like man i can't stand this fucking guy not not jeremy renner but just the the character yeah and so when someone can elicit an emotion like that then obviously they're giving a really good performance totally uh, like totally. you know watching re game of thrones and as joffrey is just just driving everyone insane i know that as as a viewer, when I was watching, I was just like, "Man, fuck this kid, dude! He's the worst." <laughs> yeah, but I mean, he's obviously doing an incredible job because he's getting under my skin. So that's something that you have to remember when you're watching these. If if you hate the character, chances
1: are they're doing a really good job. Uh, just like Draco Malfoy and stuff like that. So, Draco yeah.
0: Malfoy.
1: When you, yeah, it's 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 just the hallmark of a good actor. Totally. Yeah, one hundred percent. So the term Toonie is used to describe outsiders who aren't technically from Charlestown. The idea that outsiders are and will always be looked at as pariahs is not a new concept in any city. So like, I live in a big city, Seattle. When am I a local sort of thing? So in order to break that label, how long do you do you think you need to be in one area to be called a local? Um, in any city, when do you think you can actually claim this?
0: Oh, I don't. That's tough because, like, um, if you ever watched uh, Jaws, uh, you know Mrs. Brody's like, you know, when when do I get to be an islander? And she's like, never. You weren't born here. You're never gonna be an islander. Yeah, exactly. And I'm just like, oh, that sucks. (laughs) But I get my mail here. See. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, it it just doesn't count. So like, like for me you know, growing up in the desert, you know, I I can say that I'm like a desert rat. You know what I mean? Like, I feel that. I know that that's who I am. It's a part of me. And uh, when I moved to Washington, I was always a tourist. You know, I was never going to be anything else. And I was okay with that. I knew it wasn't going to be my permanent residence. I, I knew in my heart of hearts that I, while I felt like I needed to go there, I didn't, necessarily belong there and uh when i go into seattle and i just see the people and the energy and the vibe i have no problem saying man fuck this place (laughs) fuck these people (gasps) like i just it has such a negative energy to me sometimes and it's it's so weird that that's the case but like i'm glad i'm never going to be uh one of those people And, and I don't have to try and fit in because I don't want to be one of those people. And so it's weird to say, but like, it's, it's hard to do it for like a city per se. Like, like I know that you were, where did you grow up? Mount Vernon, right? Mount Vernon, yeah. You know, you lived in Seattle for, uh, you know, like a decade now, right? So you've been there for a while in downtown, basically, like. Like in the city, you are a city boy. You walk to the the farmers market. You get your fresh produce. You know you. I'm a hipster because I wear glasses. Yeah, <laughs> what a nerd bomber, man! You got to look a little bit more homeless though if you want to be a hipster. Whoa! Um, <laughs> and you know, show your iPhone. Wear your iPhone on your hip. Then. Cool. <laughs> um, but like, I don't know. It's it's hard to say. Like, but like California, you know, there's there's something about you know you people from California. And I'm lumped in with those people. You know, we have a way about us and I'm okay with that. I wasn't okay with being identified as someone from Seattle and I never would be. I stick out like a sore thumb for crying out loud. It's just not who I am. But as soon as I'm in like the state lines, I'm like, oh, thank God I'm home. And and that's weird to say, but it, it's definitely, it exists. And and it's not even, it's not an LA thing. It's not uh it's not a desert thing. It's a it's a California thing, most specifically Southern California. Because there's Bay Area people, you know. There's the L.A. people. There's the Orange County people. Um, there's like the San Diego. I don't give a fuck, people. I live in San Diego. What do I care? I, I live in the best place in the world, right? The weather's amazing. Twenty like three hundred sixty five days a year. <laughs> uh, so it is interesting how there's these different territories and everything. But I will never be a city person, and I'm okay with that. I will be a Californian and I I will be a desert rat forever and all eternity but um it's 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 weird like you feel like you earn your stripes but then there's those there's this sort of pretentious vibe that exists in some of these communities that you'll never be one of them and and no matter how hard you try or however hard you want to be you're just never going to be one of those people
1: yeah i think I think a lot of it. So I think of two examples in in films that I saw. Well, in in um, entertainment that I saw. So one example is from South Park. It's when they go to the uh, the Hawaiian Islands, and Kenny is a is a local Hawaiian. Uh, And he runs into all the people that are there. And it's just a bunch of white people who have been on the island for three months. So they're like, me and the ancestors, we came over on the Delta. (laughs) Uh, You know, obviously, Matt Stone and Trey Parker are just so great at pop culture, but they're so incredibly um, satirical and they love to make fun of of just the stupidest shit. And I think that's exactly what we're, we're talking about is you can't who who's to really say what length of time you are to be considered a local. I mean, obviously, three months doesn't make you a local, but there could be an argument made for, hey, look, I live over here now. Why am I not a local? And I think the territorialism, I don't know if that's a proper term, but um, I think anything like that, uh, maybe Hawaii is not the best example because it's just... That is an island, man. yeah but you know what i mean and and so uh, it leads me to my other example too in the movie blind spotting uh, that movie's about the gentrification and the changing of oakland um oakland is definitely one of the cities you know is is a rough city uh, for for the longest time but then just like the hallmark of a ton of big cities corporations started putting in you know a whole foods and all these other things to gentrify the area so then in that movie, there's a scene where they go to a party and this guy's wearing like an Oakland shirt, like a, whatever the, the area code is, you know, being like, Oh yeah, man. Yeah. I've been here for like three years. And these lifelong Oakland guys are like the fuck, what are we doing here? Sort of thing. Um, I think that says a lot too, because there, you know, that theory about the, the old wooden ship thing, when you start to replace enough parts of it, when does it become a brand new ship? Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think that could be said for any of these cities as well. So like, I've been in my neighborhood in in, in Seattle for about 10 years. I was born in Mount Vernon, but I consider myself a Seattle local. I think I've earned my stripes. I think I've been here long enough. I know the ways that things work. I know the machinations of the city and and the rules and just how you ride a bike, how you drive through the city. I don't know everything. I know Mm -hmm. people who were born here and, and born and bred here proper, right? But I still consider myself a local. So, I mean... I don't know if that's necessarily the right way to think about it. And there's no real right answer to it. But I think <laughs> I just think it's an interesting discussion to be had, sure, you know? Sure, So like. I think I, there's
0: a lot of people that would disagree with you too. Which absolutely. It's so weird. It's yeah. so
1: weird. It's, it's, and, and I think you're right with the pretentious thing. It's, it's just so odd. I mean, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, there's gonna be people who will probably be like, oh, you don't know. Yeah, but
0: Yeah. And, and, yeah. and,
1: and you know what? Fuck them. Who cares? I'd be like, okay, that's fine. I got my own shit going on here. I've been in the same place for nine years, man. Count them nine. So (laughs) I think I have a pretty good foothold on things. Um, It's just it's such a fascinating idea. But I I know that in uh, in Boston, it would be hard for her. It would be hard for anybody to really to move there to an area in Charlestown that you think you can make a living there. But it's like, nah, dude, we don't want your kind here. It's it's so fascinating. But I don't know. Locals only, bitch. That's all I'll say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> get off my way. And you cut their, uh, you cut their cord.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it's so weird how it's a thing. And, I, and I, I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. I just don't get it.
1: Well, especially in foreign countries. I mean, they, they understand, especially if they're um, uh, a poverty. Yeah. Let's just say a less developed country. They thrive on the tourism and, and they'll be your best friend because they're like, dude, we want your money. It's smart. It's very smart. You don't want to be like, hey, get out of here sort of thing. But anyhow, Uh, so uh, finally, Jem and Doug, they do some pretty awful things between the robbing, the stealing and the killing. Uh, Let's call a spade a spade and label these dudes as pretty bad. Spare me all this. Pretty, pretty, pretty bad. bad. Spare me the whole tangerine bullshit with Doug wanting to go away to tangerine. He's a criminal. That's what he is. He's a criminal. All right, Whoa, No and you, and, you and I, Justin, are not fans of shows or movies that focus on awful people. I just don't want to watch a movie that's just nothing but awful people. Knowing everything that they have done, does it make it hard for you to root for the bad guys slash villains? Um, and then do you have any other films or shows where you actually don't mind rooting for the bad guys or villains?
0: Um, yeah, so. So this movie did an interesting job of making me like Doug. Um, you know, he wasn't a deadbeat dad. You know, he he felt bad about the hostage. Uh, he was genuinely in love with somebody. And, and I think that's where I start to be sympathetic to Doug. You know, yes, you're correct. He is a criminal. And he does hot criminal shit. And <laughs> I totally get it. But... Uh, when you get his side of the story, uh, something, and and he's a likable actor and a likable character, uh, it can do things. It can change things for you. At least it did for me. Uh, I didn't like Jem. I didn't care if he went down like a sweet muffin in in the next scene. I was like, yeah, get rid of this guy. He's terrible. He's fucking the worst. (laughs) He's the Devin. (laughs) Yeah, he's the Devin of fucking Charleston. Bank robbers. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. I, I was not having it. So, I was perfectly okay with, with him going down, but I would have been sad had uh, Doug not made it. And so I, I do think that it was interesting that it, it went that route, you know, so many like heat. So, you know, that's one of my favorite heist movies ever, but I'm not really sad when any of, of that team gets killed. You know, I'm kind of like it. That Val Kilmer gets away. I'm like, yeah, I can't stop Batman. <laughs> sure, he got away. But Robert De Niro's character, he got greedy, right? He wasn't going to let uh, that wing girl guy get the best of him. And so it was his own greed that, that brought him down. And I'm okay with that. And so, I mean, I felt bad for his not girlfriend or whatever. But <laughs> at the end of the day, it was the good guys getting the bad guys. And even Al Pacino kind of felt bad about it, you know, like in another world, we could have been friends kind of thing, yeah. but I got to do what I do, you do what you do, and we'll meet in the middle somewhere. Um, but even Hell or High Water, you know, that's, these are two boys that are trying to save yeah. their home, right? And 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 we all have, life is hard for so many people for so many different reasons, uh, but when there's a relatability to it, you know, uh, where... You know, whether it be the market crashed or you lost your home, you lost your job. Uh, Desperate people do desperate things, and it's relatable. Now, the thing is, though, Chris Pine's character was a likable guy, but then our buddy, uh, what is his name? Ben Foster. Ben Foster. He's another guy that's really good about playing like a creeper, and he's the he's the gem in this in that film. He he is, and so he's not likable. Mm-mm. But what that does is it gives us it gives us the opportunity to see the other side of the coin. And if you if you take Chris Pine's uh, approach to this whole robbery thing, he is a likable character. And so I do think that there's two ways that you can do their do the movie In no way is wrong. I mean, they're both great. But uh, if you want to have a likable, rootable character, then you can certainly add a gem to the group. And and you can get that dynamic, you know, if you if you have the worst of the bunch next to an okay guy, then that okay guy is going to suddenly be, you know, a, a hero of sorts. So it's I do think it's interesting, but I mean, as far as rooting for other bad guys, you know, Johnny Lawrence and and Cobra Kai, I think he's great. I, yeah. I think that's such a lovable character. <laughs> Send it to the internet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Ash, Ash Brown Cobra Kai. Send it to the internet. Holy <laughs> shit, dude! I fuck. I love Johnny Lawrence. That was. I, I was never a fan of binge culture, and it was Cobra Kai season one on YouTube premium or whatever the hell it was called. Um, red tube. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say YouTube red. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what it was when it first came out, right? It was YouTube yeah. red. And so I that was what made me subscribe to it. And I plowed through that shit so goddamn fast. The first two episodes were free, and, uh, and I watched it. I was like, I, I got to see more and i i literally watched every episode that night and i was glued to my tv and johnny lawrence was a hero from then on out Hmm. um peter baelish uh speaking of game of thrones love peter baelish uh him and varys both i I really like them um cersei lannister i always liked her in her own weird way but i think that came from the books once once you read book four uh Feast for Crows. Uh, she has her own chapters, and you really get inside her head, and you see just how paranoid and how crazy she is, and you're almost sympathetic to her. Um, which also, uh, Gollum, you know from Lord of the Rings, he's another character that I'm sympathetic to. He's kind of a bad guy, kind of an antagonist, kind of someone that's preventing them from from getting to their journey, and but you kind of root for him in your own weird way. You don't want anything bad to happen to him. Um, and then like Wizard of Oz, so the Wicked Witch of the West, you forget that this bitch is. Fu- dropped a house on her sister (laughs) that's kind of that's kind of mean so at the end of the day i'm like i I get it someone just killed my sister i'm gonna go kick some ass you want to see me kick some ass i know karate (laughs) and so you kind of forget that and and i i feel like the wicked witch of the west is just in trying to get her frontier justice and uh it's sad that it doesn't work out that way
1: I found a fascinating article from ScreenCraft.org by Ken Miyamoto, and it's about the uh, different types of villains and screenwriters. And I think it's important to distinguish the idea. So a villain is defined as an evil quote in quotes character uh, with intent on harming others. I mm-hmm. think that's that's a pretty solid definition. But an antagonist, those are defined as characters that work in opposition of the of the protagonist, the hero. So not necessarily, you know, evil. But I think I think that intent is is something that's important um, and it, it depends on the context of the film, too. So this is what I mean, why you can root for for bad guys in certain films. And I think it's it, it's interesting that, that we, we pick it. But look at the scope of the entire film. So um, The Fugitive, like you love The Fugitive, right? So oh, that movie, like I
0: love it. But. <laughs> You love it. You you go to sleep. You fall asleep doing it every
1: night. You know the you know the whole goddamn go get them line or whatever. You love it. Okay, so all right, listen up. Oh God, (laughs) (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, please don't. Are you sure? Yeah. So no, you can do it. Do it.
0: Our fugitive has been on the run for (laughs) ninety minutes. Average foot speed over uneven ground, barring injuries, is four miles per hour. That gives us a radius of six miles. What I want from each and every one of you is a hard target search of every gas station, residence, warehouse, farmhouse, hen house, outhouse, and doghouse in that area. <laughs> Checkpoints go up to 15 miles. Your fugitive's name is Dr. Richard Kimball.
1: Go get him. <laughs> Jesus. So in the case of the fugitive, um, Kimball knows that Gerard, Tommy Lee Jones' character, is just doing his job. Like he's hunting him down, right? Um, and... For all intents and purposes, Kimball is the bad guy. He's he's presented as the uh, doing the wrong things, right? He's running from the cop. So if you look at it on the surface level without getting behind the story, then we are rooting for the bad guy. We are rooting for John, or not John Kimball, but Richard Kimball to survive <laughs> because I was thinking John Kuga. John, yeah. <laughs> John Kimball John is Kimble. another. yeah. It's kindergarten cop. Yeah, there you go. It's John Kruger, then it switches to John Kimball in that movie. But um, I think it's just interesting, you know, things like anti-villain in movies like *Silence of the Lambs*, where you kind of root no, for him. Mr.
0: Kimball, I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> there <laughs> or, is no bathroom. There is no bathroom.
1: Or uh, *American Psycho*? That's another one too, where you're like, am uh, I root- am I rooting for
0: him or am I not? I don't
1: think so. Yeah, right. I'm it's not. weird. It's, it's, it's just I hope weird. he
0: gets I hope he's late in returning his videotapes so he's fine. <laughs> <blind. laughs>
1: um, there's things like, uh, well, I, you wouldn't really root for the bully, but you, you gave that example, the bully like Johnny Lawrence in the karate in the karate kid. You kind of you kind of root for him at times and not in, maybe in that movie. I like what they did with it. But here's a good example, a movie that you and I both love, the Godfather trilogy. We love Michael Corleone, but he's a bad guy. He mm-hmm. murdered his brother, and it's kind of like you know maybe he should have died instead of his daughter, sort of thing. But we watch it still, and we like it. It's um, it's interesting. Or Gordon Gecko in Wall Street, he's a bad guy.
0: Oh, he's such an asshole. Yeah, <laughs> but
1: but it, it's kind of it's kind of romanticized and it's kind of sexy because you are like, look how much money he's making. Or Jordan Belfort in in the Wolf of Wall Street, same thing, man. Like I'm rooting for Leo to win. And then he he has that moment. He has that that I'm getting out of here and I'm leaving this whole town in my rearview moment. He can get out, but then he tells everybody he's like, I'm back, right? You know, he doesn't he doesn't want to leave, and that's ultimately what leads to his downfall. So we've seen it happen all the time, but we 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 still root for him too. Um, right. un- Unforgiven is another good one too, where like you know. <laughs> He, they, they are bad guys. But in Westerns, I think, are a really good example. You talked about Westerns earlier. I think Westerns are a good example where it blurs those lines of what a protagonist and antagonist is or what a villain is versus a hero. And I think Westerns definitely because there's a lot of shit that happens that you're like, should I be rooting for this person? So <laughs> right,
0: right. So Unforgiven is a really good example because he is one of the worst criminals the West has ever seen. Yeah, but we we don't. We never see that side of him. We see it begins with him being a father, taking care of his kids, doing what's right by them. We, we know that he apparently he was a bad man, but we've never seen that. And we don't see that side of him until he takes his revenge out on little Bill at the end at, um, at, the, at the bar. But it is pretty intense to see that, that metamorphosis take place. But I fucking love that movie. I, f- I forget about that one sometimes.
1: Yeah, that's a really good one. I mean, that's the, the the best example of an antihero that you can probably get in in any film. He's, it's fantastic and it's great performances. Um, it's it's definitely neo western. It's it's one of those ones that you be like, well, it's weird. It's a lot slower, but man, I I really love it a lot. There's a lot of good uh, action, but you're absolutely right. All that we're given is this guy who literally falls in mud on, in his on his face. And you're like, wait, this is the basically Billy the Kid. He's mm-hmm. like the most ruthless outlaw of all time. Why is he not guns blazing? He's he can barely be a farmer. He sucks at being a farmer, but he's a father. He's down on his luck. And um, <laughs> he can be a farmer. He could be a farmer. <laughs> I mean, my favorite <laughs> scene in Unforgiven is after Ned gets killed. Uh, William takes the bottle of whiskey and he just fucking takes a pull off of it. And you're like, oh, shit, it's on like Donkey Kong. So, right now. I like it when. When um,
0: Morgan Freeman goes to pick up the kid's rifle. And he's like, oh, I check checking for you. Might be bent. He's like, it ain't bent. <laughs> it ain't bent. <laughs>
1: Schofield kid. <laughs> oh,
0: my God. It's so funny. It ain't bent.
1: It ain't bent. Oh, <laughs> yeah. We, you know, those are the types of villains that we root for. And it's so fascinating. I, I, I think it's just interesting. But... Mm. um, yeah, overall, I mean, that's all I really have on The Town. We, we could spend more time on this. I, I'm horrible at Boston accents. It's one of my pet peeves is when people try to uh, over, overly, overtly use uh, any type of accent and they're just bad at it. Um, I try not to do that, so I will, not, I will refrain from it in this segment. But do you have any final thoughts on The Town and what is your letter grade? Uh,
0: yeah, so I, I really enjoy this movie. Uh, I, I'm glad that we finally have done it. I'm surprised that it took this long for us to do it. There was a time, this used to be my Hateful Eight where I just watched it <laughs> like every Friday. I just needed something on, you know, like a comfort food as it were. And uh, I, I'm watching it. I've watched it often. And even though I've seen it a thousand times, I still watched it uh, as my homework for this podcast because I enjoy it so much. And um, what is interesting about it though, is I never noticed anything that I didn't notice before. Which I find Interesting. Like,
1: no, so nothing new you, it doesn't shed any new light like on a rewatch yeah
0: correct i i I think that's weird because so many movies uh that warrant rewatches, I see things all the time, but maybe this is a movie that you can only watch once and you're and you're good with that. And I've, I, can, I can accept that. I just really enjoy it. The first time I saw it, I was I fucking bit all the nails off my hands. I I was so just nervous. The first time the beach, I watched, so you
1: could you could go rob a bank. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. But it was just really intense, and yeah. I, I enjoyed that. I remember uh, the high scene with the with the nuns specifically. Yeah, uh, everything about that scene just really was weird. And, the, and they and they and you knew it was going to go bad because Doug said it was going to go bad. And yeah, like, uh, we knew that it had uh, problems, but the the entire time, the car chase scene, uh, getting over the bridge, burning the car, they get out of the car, and then they see that cop looking right at him. Yeah, and you're just like, "Fuck me!" And then even <laughs> that cop's like. I don't know, what I was gonna look this one. <laughs> <just> like, nope, <laughs> hard pass. Yeah, I like that. I me too. That seems so real to me. Like this guy is outgunned. They have tactical weapons. They're ready to just, just you know, murder anybody in their way. And he was smart enough to be like, "Yeah, I'm good. I'll just, I'll just turn my head." Um, I even, even yeah. the florist. You know, Fergie. He he's just a florist, but at the, it's a front. But he's obviously a scary man. You know, I didn't know what he was going to do. I didn't know if he was going to hurt. Um, what is the nice lady's name in the movie? Um, Rebecca Hall's character. I forget her name. Uh, it escapes me. Claire. It's Claire, right? Uh, the girlfriend? Yeah. Yeah, Claire. Yeah, yeah, Claire. So I didn't know if he was going to hurt Claire. So, I mean, I just was on edge the whole movie. And then you knew they were going to go down. I-, I wasn't expecting it to be a happy ending. Uh, I Obviously, as you said in the trivia, they did shoot a version where Doug doesn't make it, and that would have made me mad. I hate it when everyone dies in a fucking movie. Yeah, it really bothers me. It's it's it seems like such a student film choice, <laughs> like, you know, like oh, I'm gonna go this art house route, and it's gonna be tragic. Oh. And really, it's just no, a waste Shakespearean. Of my time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't need that. I've seen Hamlet. That's what I watched. I knew I watched another on the movie. I watched Hamlet 2 oh. on Saturday. Of course you did. Oh man, I almost texted you like, can we just do Hamlet 2? I really fucking <laughs> like this movie. And it's so funny, dude. Oh, Steve Coogan is such a funny man. I Look wish he was in every, everything. <laughs> that I watch, I wish he was in. He's so funny. It's Dana Marsh. <laughs>
1: Alex
0: had never seen it and, we were watching it and I'm just laughing. I think because I was laughing so much, she was enjoying it a little bit more. But. <laughs> yeah. Fuck, I forgot. Yeah, so Hamlet Two. It's streaming on Peacock. So check that shit out. And then uh but yeah, that's that's it for the town. I apologize. That was a long answer. I think there's a lot going on. I think it's suspenseful. I think it's got a lot of action. I love the characters, even the ones that are terrible, even the Devons of, of <laughs> Charlestown, I really like. Um and I, I give this movie an A. I I it fucking blows me away. And it just shows how talented Ben Affleck really is. Ah, uh, both Uh, in front of the camera and behind it.
1: Yeah, this is an A for me also. I mean, for all those reasons you said and more, it's so apparently the director's cut is an extra like 40 or 50 minutes. And I was like, yeah, no pass. I thought I owned it. And apparently I don't. It's one of those movies that I had to check through my entire catalog. I like looked through my physical copies and I looked through uh, my digital libraries and I was like, oh, apparently I don't own it. So um, it's fine. I really like this movie, but it's it's usually streaming. So that's why I, decided to just watch it on HBO Max but yeah this one's an a for me um I uh, really really enjoyed this film and I'm glad we did it but yeah for some reason it's weird when when I thought about it I was like didn't we do this one already but no we did not we yeah. just, we've talked about it often so that
0: surprises me
1: yeah we've uh it's been interesting you think you're better shocked. than me so. yeah <laughs> <laughs> this is really good yeah uh, yeah
0: and uh just a reminder it is streaming on HBO Max mm-hmm. I believe we
1: said that at the beginning but yeah yes, oh yeah check it out. Cool, man. Well, that it? That's the show. That's it. That's the show. Let's do this. Well, thank you very, very much for listening to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. Please remember to follow us on Twitter at dbcrazypod, at edgyarmo, and at zackdale60, where you can share your thoughts with us and we will discuss them on our show. You can even tell us what movie you think we should watch for our next episode. Streaming definitely helps, so make sure it is streaming. Also, please make sure to leave us a five-star rating if you like the show on Apple Podcasts. There is another fantastic podcast out there called The Geek Legacy Podcast, and that has David, Randy, and Justin. And I think they are going to be discussing Nolan films, if I'm not, if I'm, uh, yeah. not mistaken. Yeah. I don't know about David, though. He has a little crazy list going on there. He didn't put Interstellar number one like it should be, so I don't, I don't know about all that. <laughs> So, with that being said, just please don't be crazy. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much. Do <laughs> the best.